Blog Talk Radio. Oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. All right. brand name, like Pepsi, that's a brand name, I stand behind it, I guarantee it, they know that, even if they don't know me any more than they know the, the, the chairman of General Mills, <laughs> what I'm talking about is, when you chop my dough down, one, two, three, four, five percent, and then you call it Blue Magic, that is trademark infringement, you understand what I'm saying? y'all i am here i know y'all didn't think i was going to forget about tell the truth tuesday now that i'm in recovery feeling better it is tuesday march 14 2017 we are snowed in here in upstate new york so you know i had the chance to even though i've been man down for the last two weeks so i'm gonna give you a quick update of um my recovery so here's the thing um i think that a lot of people are used to me, you know, being like, yeah, you know, I'm straight, I'm good, everything's fine. Um, it's not. <laughs> I was just able <clears throat> to successfully eat a bowl of spaghetti like two days ago. You know, prior to that, um, I wasn't able to eat very well um, or very much, which normally would be a great treat for me, but it's not when you are trying to be doing stuff you ain't got no business doing, like, you know, go to the grocery store. And um, you almost fall the fuck out because you have no nutrients in your body. Um, I tried to, you know, I had friends that came and picked me up. Yeah, let's go over here. Let's do this. Let's do that. And unfortunately, I would end up back at home in bed usually for the rest of the day because, you know what I'm saying, it just, it was a lot for me, you know. So for me to even, like today for me to even sit up all day and kind of hang out downstairs with my son, it was a snow day, like I said, Um, and um, hang out all day after dinner, I had to go directly to sleep. And so, you know, you'll start to see that the shows will be later and later because I, I like to keep my vampire hours. Now, today's show takes on a little bit more of a serious, you know, a serious tone, and the show is called We're All Mad Here. And the reason that the show is called that is if you watched Alice in Wonderland, you know, that was a very famous quote out of that, we're all mad here. And it's, you know, the fact that I don't read blogs is just because I tried, at one point I wanted to open a magazine, okay, as I sit here and drink my very old Carmen Year topped off with ginger ale because that's where life has taken me right now, to the pits of hell where I have to put ginger ale in my Carmen Year um, because it tastes like ink because I'm in recovery, obviously, so things taste a little different to me because I haven't had them in a minute. So um, I don't read blogs because I write books. Um, and I know that sounds weird, but a blog to me is sounds like, you know, me talking to someone. And so when I wanted to run a magazine, it was actually Saladin that was like, listen, you know, we can get you a magazine, but, you know, like an online magazine. I was getting ready to buy all the photos, everything. And he says, you have to make sure that you're thinking about what's on trend, what's going on, current events, and all these other things each and every time. And so I'm not that interested in just one subject. I'm interested in a million subjects. So what I do is I follow other people's pages, such as Green Eyes, Gold Soul. Um, and if you look at what's going on in the uh, in my uh, dialogue portion of this show, you'll see where you can see the blog that I'm actually going to read you from. It's actually called The B Word. If you want to follow along with me while I am doing the show right now, um, it's www.thebword.com. Um, and when I say the B Word, it's spelled W-E-R-D. Um, it's a lifestyle blog. So what a lot of people have to understand 
is that for me to write a blog, that's like me writing a thought. You know, it's 500 words. And so once I finish this book, I probably will be a little bit more inclined not to do blogs but to do editorial work, which for me is 500 words, 1,000 words or less. And it's just, for me, it's a thought because I have 10 million things going on in my head at one time. And I like so many different things. Like one day I might be obsessed with Rick Owens. The next day I like, you know, someone that's traveling to Cuba because I haven't gone yet. So I read Green Eyes, Gold Soul, um, her blog on um, a girl named Christina Rogers. We know her online as Chris So. Um, and you can go follow her on Instagram at at. Chris spelled with two S's, though, as in Haitian, because she's part Haitian. And so um, since it's Tell the Truth Tuesday, we all need to learn that sometimes the Internet lies to us sometimes, too. And we're going to look at the whole picture, not just what's being posted. And the blog that I'm reading tonight, I told you where you can find it. So my problem with the Internet is that everything is so beautiful, you know, and I try not to post that way. I try to post, you know, fucked up pictures or pictures of me and my family if we're just doing dumb shit, dancing on the back porch, because that's what real people do. And I think that it's it must be overwhelming for a young lady in her early 20s or in her teens um, to look at some of the photographs and think like, wow, damn, why does my closet not look like that? Maybe because you're not a whore or because you want to buy shoes that are not $675 minimum per, you know, per pair. Maybe because you were not born a Jewish American princess, maybe you were not born uh in the Persian Empire. I don't know. You understand what I'm saying? Everything has a consequence. So, when I I I started following Chris Zoe and her sister is because they collectively own um Babes and Felines, which you can actually follow them on Instagram as well, Babes and Felines as well as, um, um, I think it's Shop Chris Zoe. I think it's called Shop Chris Zoe. But the sister is very notorious. She's green eyes and has blonde hair. Big old, gadunk, gadunk, very cute girl. Her and her sister, Christina, which we know as Chris Zoe, cute as can be. Remind me of my sister and I. They cut the fuck up, laughing all the time. Naturally beautiful girls. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to see an implant on them. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just fucking telling you. You're not going to see an implant. And they wear their own line. They're very cute. And their bodies are made to wear the clothing that they sell. That's how it should be. So, and their posts are fucking hilarious. So, um, I noticed that Chris had stopped posting as much. And the next thing you know, she's in Texas. Now, they're from Houston, Texas which is where Green Eyes Gold Soul, which is her name, her real name is Courtney, the person that wrote the blog. She's also from Houston as well. So y'all know that I'm all over that because I have to be there sometimes and I do business there sometimes, which I, you know, going forward I will be. So, and I have family and friends there. So she starts posting less, okay? So then when we see her, she's looking a little slimmer, okay? Um, she's with a guy who's an athlete. If I'm not mistaken, he's a boxer. And, um, you know, that makes sense. You know, he's doing a protein shake, you're doing a protein shake. He's do- going to the gym, you're going to the gym. They live in this beautiful house in Houston, which if you're familiar with Houston architecture, you can get a lot of house in Houston for a decent amount of money. You know what I'm saying? So half a, half a brick, half a million, you can get, you know, a half a mansion, depending on the area. If the further you are out from the city, from Galleria area, which is my favorite, I'm not going to find anything for half a brick in the Galleria area, maybe like a one-bedroom condo, but that's me. But now if I go further out, Sugarland, things like that, I'm going to find bigger homes. So I noticed she's got her new little truck, and I'm like, I'm so happy for her. But the posts kept getting, you know, less frequent, which is very odd because these girls built their business online. And when you build a business online, you can't afford to take one day off. You know, I've been in business for four years, and so just because I don't talk about it doesn't mean it's not fucking happening. And that's with no Instagram page, no website that you know about that you can go to get my items other than stayinyourlane123.com, which that will all be changing, and no Facebooks, no nothing. So I'm just, everything is word of mouth, who likes what, you know, putting in hashtag searches, you know, so thank you for that. So 
but it's tax time, so it's you know, it's it's I feel some type of way. But so the 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 fact that Kim Kardashian at one point when she was pregnant with Saint West, uh, the boy, wore the babes and felines outfit and then wore something from Shop Chris. So all those like tube dresses with the mock turtlenecks and things like that that she was wearing under the coats, those pieces and they were blogged about in you know fashion week daily and uh fashion blogs and you know claire summers page as well as um in touch magazine all reported that it came from these two girls so obviously their sales went through the roof so this was prior to her moving to texas so she was she was white hot at the time so she moves to Texas. Now we see an engagement. Yes, girl, yes, living the dream. You know, she's almost 30. She's late 20s. She'll be 30 soon. Mm. So all of a sudden, the posting stop again. And so now I'm getting concerned. And I don't know these girls personally. I'm just telling you as a mother and as somebody that pays attention to people's pages, even if I'm not active, I check on my own cult members. If some of my people that follow me don't post in a while, I'll kind of go on their page, like a couple pictures, let you know, make sure they know, hey, I'm still paying attention. I'm, you know, paying attention to you because we share stories. So, and we're all women, and I want to make sure you're okay. So the sister is still posting. Sister is still in LA. She's still hilarious, and the other sister is not posting. So it finally comes out. Um, I think it was two weeks ago, there was a breakup. Um, Chris Zoe actually wrote a blog, which is very painful to read. I read that, but I liked the way that Courtney, who they obviously knew each other, did the Q&A for her blog, The B Word. And, again, you can go on www.thebword.com, which word is spelled W-E-R-E-D. And I'm going to read to you um, – the interview because I just think that, you know, there are a lot of memes that go around that touch me and sometimes I save them because I want to post them and I, I just don't want anyone to take offense and I feel like I don't give a fuck. And one of them was, you know, abuse is not just hitting. Abuse is this, abuse is that, abuse is this, abuse is that. And I don't think that a lot of people get that. And I think that a lot of women find themselves isolated in situations which thank God this girl had her um, family there. Um, but it, 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 I, I feel bad to say that I feared that that's what was going on because when you're in a controlling relationship and the person is telling you like, oh, you can't post and why are you always posting? Oh, you got your titties out. Yeah. I have to respect the institute of my relationship, but bro, you're not paying my fucking bills. Now in her case, he was, from what I understand, he was, you know, he was financially stable. He was able to take care of her and, you know, handle some business, which would be the only way I would think that a smart girl like that would uproot herself and move back to Texas. And also her mother was sick at the time. Her mother um, had a form of cancer. Her mother's job dead gorgeous as well. Also owns a, a clothing store down in Houston, which I can't wait to go into and, you know, quote unquote blog or talk about that. Um, so, I'm going to actually read you excerpts, and, and it was it was very painful to, to read, and I literally reached out to her like, girl, you know. So basically this was written March 13, 2007, so this actually just came out yesterday. It's called Monday Motivation, Christina Rogers, Why Left, and this is on TheBWord.com. As Christina revealed to all of us last week, she's gone through some drastic changes in her personal life over the past month or so, and I've been here to personally witness all of the transition that she's made from going from an L.A. girl running her business to moving her life to Houston to build a relationship, becoming a girlfriend, homeowner, fiancé, and eventually almost a mother before everything came to an abrupt end. Sounding familiar. And it's without a doubt easy to understand why she'd want to keep all that she went through to herself. And as difficult as it is to relive the past year and a half of her life, I'm so grateful that she understands the importance of sharing her story in hopes not only to raise awareness regarding unhealthy relationships, but most importantly to inspire another young lady who is potentially going through the same thing and may not have the courage that it takes to walk away. So here is Courtney, which is green-eyed gold soul on Instagram, um, asking Christina the first question. She says, in the beginning, what were things like? Can you tell us how you two met and what was the original dynamic of your relationship and what were some of the things that made it easy to fall for him? 
Christina says, in the beginning of our relationship, things were exciting as ever. I was in a place where I needed what he offered, and I felt like I was making the right decisions because it was okayed by God. That reason was for a reason other than what I understood at the time. And we moved so fast, keep that word in mind, because it felt comfortable and we both wanted the same thing. He was so charismatic, had his career together, ambitious, competitive, and he was so fine. I understand. So... Courtney goes on to ask her, you decided to move back to your hometown, Houston, Texas, to make things work a few months into your relationship. What prompted the move and what sacrifices did you have to make in order to be with him? She said, man, before I moved back to Houston, I had everything I needed in life plus everything I could buy. I was so unhappy, though, because I wanted a relationship, and I wanted it so bad that I was willing to gamble with everything I had built. At the time, however, my mother was bouncing in and out of sickness, and so was my stepfather, so I wanted to be closer to them as well. Courtney then asked her, do you realize, um, did you realize you were taking a huge risk by leaving your life in L.A. behind, and would you do it again? She said, I would never sacrifice everything I built to be with someone else. I didn't realize my risk, but I walked blindly into it because of the things he promised to me. I had so much hope, just as I do in a lot of things, and that made me fearless. And, love, you know, just as a sidebar, love will do that to you. Courtney asked her, after moving home, you two purchased a, ho- a house together. You'd found someone you were crazy about, fallen in love, now had a new home. Did you feel you were living a fairy tale? She said, I definitely didn't feel like I was living in a fairy tale because once we moved together, I began to see the real deal in him. He and his immediate family would demean me because I wasn't a housekeeper to their standards. I was more of a moneymaker, go-getter, and a hustler, so I didn't have time to stay home all day and clean up, and this made it hell to live in that house. Then she was asked, what red flags came up early or in your relationship that you feel you ignored? The first red flag was his anger outburst a few months into our relationship. And I didn't think it would be a normal occurrence, so I let it slide. And then after that, it worsened, of course. And after every outburst, there was growth, which made me believe that he was getting to be better as a man. This was only to cover up for what the real issue was, though. And once again, my hope in him masked the dangerous truth. She asked, your relationship eventually began to take a toll on your business, your personal relationships with friends and family, how you felt about yourself. Talk about the things that suffer because you put your relationship first. She said, even though I was close to home, I wasn't able to live freely. I could rarely see my friends without an argument. He rarely let my mother come over because in the beginning of our relationship, she let him know that he wasn't accepted for his behavior. We argued so much about my friends and family because he was so disrespectful, and I couldn't post freely on social media without an argument. Keep in mind, it was and continues to be my livelihood. If my picture was too sexy, then he would say the strangest things, like, I see you out here showing your pussy. She was like, and now that I look back at the situation, I think it's my body, and I'll show it if I want. And aside from all that, my self-esteem was shattered. Now, this girl, if y'all have not followed Chris Zoe yet, drop dead gorgeous. Her and her sister. She, they're in the, never in a million years would I have thought that this, you know what I'm saying, something like that could even enter her mind. Um, and then she was asked, about a year into your relationship, you two got engaged. Did you feel it was fate or a quick fix to the issues you were having? She said, I felt like he truly changed when he asked me to be his wife. And before that, we had broken up and I had even moved out the house. And the trip we went on was an apology trip. So this is what I'm trying to tell you, that when you're looking at these things, when you're seeing them in L.A. or you're seeing them in Fiji and things like that, you don't know what they're on vacation for. You have no idea why they're there. You don't know what happened the night before. We have to stop comparing ourselves to these people on the Internet. And then she said, I'd moved out of the house, and then the trip we went on was an apology trip. The things he promised me intrigued me to keep trying the relationship. Then she was asked, all of your moments were not horrible. And this is a key factor because they are charming, you know, when they're abusive. And it's a key factor because people will say, well, why did you say? Well, you don't know what he did to get back. You know, and she says, all of your moments weren't horrible, and there were obvious things about your relationship that made you love him. What were some of the positives that overweighed the negative, overpowered the negative? She said, he was just like me business-wise, and that was attractive. I, I get that. She said, I appreciated his willingness to try to be better whenever I had a problem with something, and I love the image of perfection that we have from the outside looking in. It was something I wanted, but on the inside, it was totally opposite. So she says, relationships consist of compromising, which you did a lot of. At what point did you begin to feel uncomfortable with the balance in your relationship? 
She said, when he was mean and had outbursts, I realized how fucked up our relationship was. If every issue he had was taken away, would he be perf- we would be the perfect couple. She said, I would be so head over heels in love, and it would show. Before me, he would talk to women however he wanted, and he tried to do that to me, and I quickly told him it wouldn't work for me. That's when I realized the imbalance, but I ignored it. I get it. And then she said, what was the difference between what we all know, the road bumps every relationship has, and what you were experiencing with him? And she said, when the road bumps occur, the ability to actually change for the better is most important. He didn't possess the quality in the areas that were detrimental to our success. Verbal abuse is never okay, but he was used to it. Being mean and evil to people isn't the way to live, but he was used to treating people that way. The way he treated his friends and family were all questionable, and all the things that he said to me frustrated had me frustrated because I didn't treat people that way. Now, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to go to Raheem Devon. I'm going to do a little bit of posting so you guys can follow, and then I'm going to read you the second half of um, the interview. Like I said, if you guys want to follow along with me, you can go to www.thebword, and take a listen to it. So I'm going to actually play a song that is about seven years old. It's by Raheem Devon, and it's called Black and Blue. And it's just the epitome of when you're going through something and you hear something like this, it's kind of like God's way of saying, like, get out, get out, get out. I just want to speak from the heart right now. I hope you get this Love ain't pain, love ain't fear Love ain't bruises, love ain't tears Love ain't a two in the morning phone call Phone call to 911 Love ain't fear for your life day and night I just live it from your love ones And I know it ain't makeup to cover your scars Compromising who you are So tell me
still here. And, you know, that song actually, it's funny because a few years back when it was really the shit, I um, was listening to that song. And I, I just kept listening to it over and over again in the car. And I remember I posted on Facebook. And I was like, I don't even know who the hell this is for, but I just feel like I need to share that I've been listening to this song 10,000 times a day. And at the time, I wasn't in an abusive relationship. Don't you know, within 10 minutes of me posting that song, this is several years back, somebody inboxes me and was like, girl, you know, it must have been me, you know, this is what's going on. And so that's when I started not so much ministering or mentoring, but just kind of being an ear, being the big sister, being the auntie. So to get back to the B words blog, there's this beautiful picture of Christina and it says the evening of the breakup and she's looking radiant as we always do after we've been through hell and we want to drag ourselves outside. Um, So here's where Courtney picks back up and she says in the blog post you wrote, that opened up about your breakup. You mentioned some of the biggest issues in your relationship were aggression, insecurity, immaturity, trust issues, controlling ways, and jealousy. But very few people knew exactly what was going on. Did you feel the need to mask those things in order to protect him? And Christina says, well, I feel like we were working towards him being delivered from his issues, so I felt the need to be quiet and wait it out. He always told me not to tell our issues to people as well, and it made sense. Looking back, I wouldn't change that I hid it because I wasn't ready to leave the relationship. I would have looked ignorant if I kept telling my business and going back to him, which is a common problem that we all go through. You know what I mean? Like, do I tell my family? Do I tell my brothers? Do I, you know what I'm saying? Or if I'm going to keep being with them, then why would I tell anybody? Let me just suck it up. So Courtney says to her, he became very controlling. Him and his career came first. Now, like I said, if I'm not mistaken, I knew he was an athlete. I think he was a boxer. So she says he became very controlling. Him and his career came first, his wants, his family. Also controlling how you promoted your business, the time you spent with friends. Did it become difficult to remind yourself of your worth during the length of your relationship? Christina says, I knew my worth, but I put him first. I believed in him, and I was so hopeful that he would change for the better. I argued a lot with him because I knew my worth. I would literally fight for it so much that I would be exhausted by the end of the day from arguing and exerting energy towards our issues and his issues. And I often tried to make my office my positive place and told everyone who walked in it to be positive or leave, which is so important because even with me being in recovery right now from having a surgery, like, I can't argue right now. I don't have the strength. Like, I'm barely able. You know, yeah, that's great that color has come back to my face, and that's great that I'm able to eat a full meal right now. But I literally, I can't take the screaming, the slamming of the doors, that you're a bitch. I can't take any of that. I can't take being 20 questioned about any fucking thing right now. Don't ask me shit, but how you doing and do you need anything? You have some shit that you want to say to me or get off your chest, you're going to have to fucking get to the back of the line and wait until I'm in a better place to be able to argue with you. It's like, you know what I'm saying, trying to beat up a wounded dog. Like, why would you, why would you do that? So I get that part. So she says, before the abuse became physical, there were several instances of emotional and verbal abuse. Were you ever afraid that things would get physical? And she says, I never in 100 years would guess that he would have become abusive. And when it happened, I was in shock. I had to ask myself if it really happened, and I had to ask his assistant if it really happened. I had to ask him if it really happened. I was in disbelief, and I was terrified at the same time. And right before it happened, I told him that he was going to ruin himself. So... Courtney says, you found out you were pregnant. How did you feel? Was it planned? Were you frightened? Was there excitement? And was it made out of love? Now, let me tell you this, ladies. You guys think that, you know, a lot of people think that women are the only ones that trap people in relationships. Men do it too. And it's called, I'm going to put a baby in you. That That's what it is. And it's not always a trap, but sometimes when they see that your light is shining just a little bit brighter than theirs or when they see that, You know what I'm saying? There's no other way for them to stay connected with you because they don't have it in their personality to be the person that you need or to be the man that you need. Trust me, condoms is coming off, falling off. I don't know what happened, if they even use them at all, and you're going to get pregnant. And and that's what they do. I see it a lot where men will knock a chick up. There's, There's actual, like, funny comedian skits where it's like, yeah, she was a good woman. I knocked her up, of course. You know, so now you always have that connection. So you have to be careful with that. But... In her case, she's, they bought a house together. That's the proper way to do things. They got engaged. Proper way to do things. So she's thinking this is going to be her husband. I get it. 
So she says, you found out you were pregnant. How did you feel? Was it planned? Were you frightened? Was there excitement? And was it made out of love? Mm. She goes, we planned the pregnancy. And when the test was positive, I was happy, but I was scared. I began mentally preparing for it, and I told my mother and, of course, my friends and family. We both were happy about it, but things went downhill once I began experiencing normal first trimester symptoms. He stressed me out. He wasn't understanding. He was angry, upset, disliked that I was tired as hell, and I couldn't confide in him. When I heard the heartbeat at the doctor's office, I cried because I had never heard anything like it. And then when the nurse left, he was angry and asked why I was crying. His inability to have a heart in certain situations was horrible, and I felt alone and like I was doing it alone. Um, babies don't change anything. They don't. If he was a dick before the baby, he's going to be a bigger dick after the baby, and now you're stuck at home, and maybe with stretch marks. So Courtney asked her, as women, we naturally want to keep things in order and keep our relationship intact. It's difficult to expose the harsh realities of situations we're often in. Did what people thought of you stop you from walking away? And she says, I knew I had to walk away from me. If anyone had a different opinion, I blocked them from my life. It was that easy. I'm stubborn. And when my mind, body, and soul are connected, I knew immediately what needed to be done. People will be people, and they will have opinions, but they, but we always have to try to do what's best for us. So Courtney asked her, the night of the incident that caused your split, tell us what happened. She said, the night of the incident, he became extremely belligerent and unable to identify with why he was even angry in the first place. I get that. He was rambling and making accusations, Yep, and we began to argue. So when I stopped arguing it, it made him even angrier, as it does, because now they know that they don't have the same mental control on you to piss you off as quickly. You're just kind of like, whatever. So she says, by the time we reached home, he was screaming in my ear. His assistant finally spoke up but did nothing else to help me. When he got out the car to take my wallet, keys, and phone, I tried to stop him, which led him to punching me in the face. He also bust my lip, <laughs> which drew blood. And after the incident, he felt no remorse and was even still angry. Yeah. So this all sounds very familiar to me. And it's so crazy because it's even in, this was just recently. This was like a month ago. So she said, you had to pick up what you could and relocate back to Los Angeles in less than 24 hours. Describe the shock and difficulty that accompanied that decision. She said, when I woke up in the morning, I was so numb that I was wandering around the house. Now, mind you, she was pregnant. Okay? Let me, let me rewind that. From what I understand, and if I'm following this correctly, she was pregnant. This man punched his pregnant fiancé in the face in front of somebody else that did nothing. Busted her lip, okay? And what a lot of people don't understand is that 20% of women um, who die that are pregnant, they they were murdered, okay? And so being murdered, you know, beats out heart disease as the number one cause of, of death in, in pregnant women. Um, and that's from the Journal of American, of the American Medical Association. So um, in 2001, they did a study that said a pregnant woman is more likely to be a victim of homicide than die of any other cause. So to back up what I said, and that was a study that was done 16 years ago. We know now we can rip headlines out of the paper that would probably say that that estimate is probably closer to 30%. So she says, um, when I woke up in the morning, I was so numb that I was wandering around the house not knowing what to do. I left the house with no intentions of coming back, but also no plan. I left with my wallet, keys, and phone. That's it. I called my sister, and we brought a flight for 6 p.m. At 3 p.m., I went back to the house with police and friends and grabbed everything important that could fit in my car. From there, I went to the airport and never returned. It was the hardest thing I've done, but I didn't feel it because I put aside all my emotions. That's the place in a woman where she might kill you in your sleep. That That's when it's just it's time to go because it's going to go all bad. And then she said, what's been the most difficult part of your healing process since moving back to L.A.? She said, having to end my pregnancy was the hardest thing to heal from because I had a connection with my kid and even named her, quote, unquote. I'm still dealing with emotions from it, but everything else is just there lingering in the air for now. And I will deal with it just how I know. Prayer has been my best friend and God has been my everything through this. Now, I know a lot of people would have opinions about this, but when you're done with a motherfucker, you're done. Okay, so I don't want your fucking kid. I don't want your fucking watch. Kick rocks. Fuck you. Fuck your mama. I don't give a fuck. You got to go. And that's just how it is. 
Um, ain't no being friends. I don't want to fucking talk to you in six months. And the best thing for her to do is to put that distance between them because once you've been beaten up on and they think that they can hit you and get away with it and they talk to you any fucking kind of way and they don't have any respect, the relationship is pretty much over. Let them go fucking do that shit to some doormat that's going to fucking take it because he got a couple of dollars in his pocket. I, for one, am not with the shits. And I'm abusive. I'm somebody that will punch a dude in the face. Okay, and and trust me, I take the repercussion for that if it's ever happened. This is not something I do a lot in relationships, but I'm just saying it's been done. I'm not going to sit here and say that I ain't never snuffed a dude in his face a couple times in a car, in a moving vehicle. I'm not going to say I didn't do that because I did. Mm. But what I'm also going to say is that if I didn't hit you, you have no reason to put your hands on me. I don't care what's going on. And um She said, how has starting all over again made you feel empty or invisible? And she says, I feel... I felt empty in the beginning because I literally lost everything I had except my life and immediate important things. But now I feel invincible and like I need to speak up and be the person God put me here to be. I know there's a female out there who needs me and it's been my passion to motivate and encourage one because we are not treated well on this earth. Woman is strong and woman needs to know that. She says, what do you want to what do you want women to take from what you've gone through? She said, I want my situation to help women understand how powerful they are. We don't need to depend on a man because sometimes they have their best interest at heart. We love hard and we fall harder, but when we get back up, it's going to be a problem for everyone who's involved. Um, I think that, you know, I, I it's it's almost as if, like, it's – I can't even explain – what it's like to see this girl in all her glory and what it was like to watch her and then now what it's like to know what really happened. And I feel like, you know, this was a situation where somebody tried to dim her light, you know. Um, And there's a lot of guys out there that do that. They feel like, you know, they could be a multimillionaire. It doesn't matter. If they feel like your energy is something that's able to attract people and they can't, they're going to try to kill it. If they feel like putting a baby in you is going to get you to stop, you know, being so sexy or going out or, you know what I'm saying, stay home and and them have one more way to control you or have that mechanism, they're going to do it. I'm not saying that that baby wasn't planted out of love. I'm just saying that these are things that some of the promises that they make when they're being full of shit. For me, you know, Peace is everything to me when I'm trying to get my money. I can't have chaos. If I have chaos, I can't work, I'm not organized, I'm not able to do what I need to do. But being a writer, I understand that chaos, much like my demons, are used for good. So I use them, they don't use me. But when I'm done with chaos, part of my problem is I'm a ghoster. I'll just fucking disappear. When I'm done with the chaos and I'm done with the bullshit and I'm done with the way you talk to me and how you take things and throw it in the trash or throw it in the grass and you, I'm a motherfucker, I'm a bitch, I'm all these things. When I get tired of it, and this isn't typical in my relationships, I'm just using this as an example. When I get tired of it, I just shut the fuck down. I don't want to talk. You know, if I'm constantly getting ridiculed, oh, you were fat, I was with you when you were fat, bitch, I was never fat. I was sick. But I was never fat. And then when they try to make you feel like it was a consolation, like your presence was just so majestic that it just, it, it you know, filled my day. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, like I was this shit before I met you. I'll be the shit if I was dying of cancer. You know, let's take that out the universe. I will be the shit no matter how you fucking sliced it or diced it. You coming into my life had nothing to do with nothing. You were just here for the fucking ride. You know, so, yeah, people fall in love and and things happen, but when you don't honor those things within that relationship or those things within that love, I really got, you got to get the fuck on. You know what I'm saying? And so it's it's never an issue where smart women and business women where we're blinded. I think that we put so much faith into the fact that, oh, the black man is this. And he's constantly being beat down, and he constantly doesn't have a chance. And then we 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 look for that power couple. I don't because I'm older. I've already been in a power couple situation. I'm just chilling. But younger generation, they want that power couple. They want that old relationship goal. You know what my fucking goal is? Is to be able to stand up straight this week, and and hopefully by next week be able to walk in some heels. That's my goal. Post surgery is part of my recovery, and so part of her recovery 
Christina, Chris though, is going to have to be, you know, where she stays the fuck away from him because now the flowers are going to come and now the I'm sorry's are going to come. But I think the most embarrassing thing that you can do to an abuser is put him on front street. They don't like that. And so hopefully he'll cower away from her and leave her alone because if not at this point is when it becomes you know what I'm saying? It becomes deadly, you know. And so in her case, she hasn't mentioned that she put a restraining order. I mean, if they're in L.A. and Houston, hopefully it's not needed. But in someone, like if it was a situation with me, I don't really do restraining orders because if I accidentally shoot you or something like that, I don't want it to be, you understand what I'm saying? I don't want police involved. Hey, he was on my property. I don't know what happened. He's gone, okay? Because at the end of the day, I have to protect my peace, And so if all you're doing is bringing me chaos and bringing me insults and bringing me, you know, bad news and negativity, people forget that, like, I literally just got out of surgery. They literally (laughs) just took a bunch of shit out of me, like a bunch of, like, they took a bunch of shit out of me. I can't take much. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, today, even after eating dinner, I had to go take a fucking nap. I don't have time for someone calling me to tell me about what the fuck I did a month ago or have I dated a white man in fucking 2012, which I never have. Let me put that on the record. Um, Or am I dating? Like, listen, if I was dating anybody, trust me, it would be all over the fucking Internet. Okay? All over the fucking Internet. Right? Because I don't fuck with you people. I don't. I go home. I raise my kid. I get my money. And that's it. And I've been doing that since I moved to New York in 2010. I was gone for 20 years. And then I remember, you know, uh, somebody asking me at one point, you know, who the fuck do you think you are? You think you're on this pedestal? Well, first of all, the pedestal I'm on is the one that my father put me on because, you know, I was his only daughter. And because I was the only girl until my sister came along 18 years ago. So my parents built my pedestal, not no dude, not no nigra. No no man built my pedestal. My, my parents built that. So you're not going to knock me off that no time soon. Then on top of that, everybody always talks about my ex-husband who actually lives in Houston. You understand what I'm saying? Thinking that's where this not so much spoiled but entitled behavior comes from or the money or anything like that. No, that's actually not where it came from. It also didn't come from Florida, dude, which no sniff to Florida, dude. I have to definitely say that anything that I ever wanted to do when I was in that on again, off again, give or take nine, 10 year relationship, you know, post my divorce, actually it was eight years. Um, we say it was almost a decade, but it was eight years, give or take. Um, anything I wanted to do, clams casino, you want to go on a boat, you want to go to a hockey game, you want to sit front row here, anything I wanted to do, it was here, here, take the keys, here's the fob, here's the keys to the car, you got to do whatever you want. And I always appreciated that because he always made sure that even if my life at home was chaos because he was around during the time my mother was very sick, um, even though he never met her, um, he really came through when she passed. And so the people that didn't come through when, when she passed, they became part of the people that I cut the fuck off. I don't need you. So when I needed somebody, my friends were here. You weren't there. I looked around. You weren't there. I don't give a fuck what chaotic state I'm in. I'm going to look around to see who was there for the aftermath and so I always respected him for that but that's not the person that really treated me in such a way that I held other men to a standard no 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 you for you forgot there was a there was a chunk of time (laughs) which he actually has ties to Texas as well that I dated a Panamanian for three four years um when I say like best boyfriend ever like best boyfriend fiance ever Okay, anything I ever wanted to do, he loved all my friends, my friends liked him, my one friend didn't like him, she actually, you know, later on told me some information about him, which ultimately led to us breaking up, but at the end of the day, this is a man that, because he didn't know, he couldn't remember my underwear size, my little butt had gotten big, I'm running, you know, three miles, four miles a day, he went through the Victoria's Secret catalog, ordered every single pair of underwear in small and medium and sent them to my job. That is a go down in history. Several boxes of underwear from Victoria's Secret showed up at my job, and me and the girls had a field day. Thank you. You know, he made sure that when he was out of town for periods of time with his work, he would send his uncle, who was a cab driver, to my, you know, past my house to check on me, make sure I was okay. 
And if he didn't like my clothes, he bought new ones. You don't like my shoes, he bought new ones. You don't like my house, he got me a new one. You don't like my car, got me a new one. So this is somebody that literally put his money where his mouth was. And he wasn't you know, overly rich or anything like that. He had paper, but he wasn't overly rich. I mean, he had worked very hard from his country to get here to do what he did for a living. And actually, if you follow me on Instagram, at miss.d.scott, um, he's he's the guy that's actually doing like a full straddle split that I talk about. You know, he's one of the exes that's doing well. And sometimes I stock my exes, good, bad, or indifferent, um, just to make sure like, hey, sometimes I, I want them to do bad. But in this case, him, I wanted him to do well. All he ever wanted was for somebody to love him a daughter with curly hair, and, you know what I mean, that's it, and to go back to his home country whenever he wanted. And um, he is related to a very famous Yankee, so that was always fun. And so when people talk about, you know, me and my dating history, they always seem to forget about that one because that's the motherfucker that really um, – gave me realistic expectations as far as, like, dreams really do come true. I mean, and he absolutely adored me. I'm talking about, you know what I mean? Like, there was nothing, and he wasn't, I mean, he was he was gorgeous. I mean, he literally was perfect. But when it ended, it was so devastating to me um, that I was exhausted. Like, I, I took that breakup hard because this is somebody that I thought I was going to marry. Now, this is before I met my husband. And it's so funny because while my son was a toddler, we actually, I, th- I went, we were in Florida, um, and we ran into him. And I remember him not even giving a zero fuck about my ex-husband and just, like, walking right up to me like, this is your baby, you know. And people were so shocked when I had a child because I was in such an aversion about becoming a mother. I was like, I don't want any children. I wanted to just be a socialite and travel the world and do all these things. I didn't want kids. I felt like kids were going to slow me down and now. Obviously, my son is getting ready to celebrate his black mitzvah, his 13th birthday, and I couldn't imagine, you know, anything without him. He literally is my mini-me. So, you know, when people talk about, you know, having regular relationships, I think back to the time that I was with this particular person and the argument was just an argument. It didn't turn into fuck you bitch and you bum-ass bitch and you raggedy bitch and all this other stuff. It didn't turn into that. Maybe because he didn't speak good English, but I definitely speak Spanish. So I don't, you know what I'm saying? I I welcome those times that, you know what I'm saying, when there was an apology, it was followed by if he's getting himself something, he's getting me something. There was never any selfishness in our relationship. And I didn't have much. You know, I'm a student. You know, I'm at, at Pitt. I'm just going to school. I'm just working. He urged me to quit my job, which I would never do that because, you know, for me that was giving up too much power. And I never wanted to give a man that much power over my finances for him to be able to tell me what to do. That was my number one thing in life. Like, you can't tell me what to do, like, ever. Don't ever tell me what to do. And so I look back on those relationships and look at the fact that I have been with some very, very good men. They just may not have been good for me. And I say that all the time, you know. Even the Detroit cat, you know, I'm in a place of healing right now. Like I said, this was 2013, right after my mom died. Literally a week later, I jumped into a, back into a relationship with him, somebody that I dated, like, when I was, like, 18. He was an engineer. And um, we had a very terrible public social media breakup. It was very bad. It was, like, one of them situations where a broad came on my picture and was like, um, ain't that so-and-so's boyfriend? No, bitch, that's my boyfriend. But if you if you know some girl, honey, my cult member sending me pictures, things like that. So that's why I don't mm, – post too much of my beloveds on there recently I posted one but that's all water under the bridge as well so but for me that one was never abusive either most of my men have been very protective of me so they're not going to hurt me and they're not going to allow somebody else to hurt me either and so I think that as women and especially when you're strong and when you're quote-unquote independent and they're telling you that you're so independent you're never going to get a man to keep them that's not true that's not true. The right guy that is not threatened by you, that's about getting his money. He ain't got time to be worried about what you're doing on the Internet because he on the Internet too, promoting his business, doing what he needs to do. He's not worried about you doing anything on the Internet because he treats you so well, you would be quite foolish to go to the left. Now, I know girls is hoes. You know, I know girls do their thing. Um, but I'm just, I'm not this way. I'm grown as hell. I'm, I'm almost 42 years old. 
what I'm going to cheat for. I'll just leave your ass the fuck alone. It's very simple. You know, I don't have to give you a reason. I ghost motherfuckers all the time. I don't have to give you a reason why I don't want to call you anymore. I don't have to give you a reason why I'm not picking up the phone. Maybe you, you'll understand silence better than you understand me sitting here having an argument with you. Maybe you'll understand that better. Maybe you'll understand that maybe when you threw them, them earrings into the, into the grass, that that probably wasn't the nicest thing to do. When you busted out windows, tore up my car, when you, you know, called me all these names, talked about my house, did this, did that, you probably shouldn't have did that. You know, you talked about a baby when you talk that when you allow other people to talk about me, you let three bitches that you fucked with, okay, three that you stuck your dick in, talk shit about me, right? I've never let anybody talk about any of my beloveds. I could talk about them, but you can't, right? And never one time defended me. And I'm somebody that you put your mouth on on a regular basis. I'm somebody that you claim to love. I'm somebody that, you know, so you failed the first rule of being anything to me, which was, you know, first do no harm. First protect me. You're not protecting me from anybody. You're 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 jumping on the bandwagon, probably sitting there kikiing with motherfuckers that stood up and talk about your children. You know, you're 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 probably sitting there and kikiing with motherfuckers that don't have your best interest at heart that you probably shouldn't even speak to anymore, but you do. You know, so for me that's weakness and I can't like if I don't fuck with somebody, I just don't fuck with them. That's it. Like we don't have to have no explanation, we ain't gotta have a conversation about it. And so those particular people, none of them would ever say that shit to my face. And I've been in all three of their faces. They ain't never said no shit like that to me. So it just, it got, it got boring. It, it got to a place where I'm just like, I'm too grown for this shit. And children need to stay in a child's place. And grown-ups need to do what grown-ups do. And that's go out here and get this money. And so that's why the show is called We're All Mad Here. You know, we all have our shit that we go through. You know, so no, your boyfriend may not be abusive, but maybe your mother was. You know, no, your mother may not be abusive, but maybe, you know what I'm saying, one of your girlfriends is going through it. And I think that the number one thing that you can do that's fucked up is leave somebody hanging. You know, if somebody's telling you this and you say, well, don't tell me nothing else about it, and they don't, and then you find out later on that shit's all bad or whatever, whatever, you can't really be too mad at that person because that's what you asked for. You asked to be taken out of the equation. You asked not to be on the contact list when shit goes bad. And it's not a, and I get, you know, and we, they talked about it in the article, the going back and forth, you know, nobody wants to hear like, oh, we, we, that's it. And then they, you know, we're back together. But, you know, at the same time, I think that if you're friends with somebody and you care about them and you want to make sure they're okay, calling them a bunch of names and kind of ridiculing them for a situation during the time of the situation isn't going to help. You know, for me, I'd rather go through some shit, break in half, put out the hot shit that I put out, whether it's my clothing, books, blogs, you know, um, my submissions just got accepted today to two different magazines. So, you know, I would rather put out the hot shit coming, stemming off of chaos than to sit there and be wallowing in it and going through depressions and things like that. And this is how people end up committing suicide and the whole family and friends are like, oh, my God, I didn't know she was in that much pain. Well, maybe it's because you told her don't fucking tell you nothing, so she didn't. You know what I'm saying? I don't suffer silently. I usually get on air and I'll tell you guys or, you know, I have, you know, a friend that I could talk to. But for the most part, I think the worst thing and the number one thing that abusive people do is they try to isolate you. So whether that's off the Internet, that's taking you away from your family, your friends, things like that, that's what they do. And then it starts with the insults, you know, because now they know you're beautiful, so they're going to start trying to break that down. Oh, you gain a weight. This is so the fuck what if I was? You're supposed to be feeding me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, this don't look right. Well, you don't fucking look right. You understand what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I think that we all should be a little bit more honest with our postings with social media, especially when we have a following, because you never know who's paying attention to you. And so I find that when I come out and I talk about the recovery that I'm going through, or I talk about, you know, being a black girl or a Latina girl with blonde hair, people, you know, oh, you think you're white? No, I'm really trying to be like my aboriginal, original ancestor forefathers, because they had blonde curly hair too. So that's how I knew that that color would match my skin, stupid. So, and nobody wants to be Beyonce. I only want to be Beyonce when I go to the bank so you know the the whole thing about this show was just to bring awareness to say that everything that shine ain't 
ain't the finest and everything that's fine, you know, ain't a diamond. And T.I. said that. And I'm going to leave you with a song that hopefully makes you feel better, also by Raheem Devon. And, again, I'm hoping to run into him at Essence Fest this year. I actually sat near him. I'll never forget this. A couple years back on the plane, he actually helped me get my luggage down. He's about five foot two, give or take. So, Guys, we are going to tune in next week. Hopefully my tone is a lot more up because I am getting back to, you know, who I was. I'm getting healthier by the day. Thank you to anybody that came through, the calls, the cards, the, you know, are you okay trying to get me out the house and, you know, flowers. I just, I appreciate it all. I might not post it, but I appreciate it all, the kind words, any of it. Even when I was incoherent, trust me, I still heard you. So, guys, just remember that at the end of the day, we're women, we're strong, we can do everything. You know, yeah, men are nice, but not when they're being mean, not when they're being abusive. Don't put your life in danger and your self-esteem in danger and put your, your, your peace in chaos just, you know, to be close to somebody or to allow somebody to, you know what I'm saying, domineer you. You're too strong for that. And this is, this is Raheem. Wherever you at, church, I'm saying, dedicate, you are appreciated. I appreciate your smile And the number to take to carry and birth a child And the way you play dumb Even when we're living real fast And even as a single parent mama You still hold it down somehow Oh, 